Welcome to Terror Talk. Before we start the show today, I wanted to give you a heads up about our Patreon community. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron and join our Discord community, where we watch film together and chat daily. You also have early access to our episodes and a mini-cast that we do exclusively for Patreon members. Also, check out our new website at terrortalkpodcast.com. Follow along as we build it together. Most of all, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the beginning of the fall slash Halloween season. Right. It is August 11th. This episode is airing on August 11th. This is about the time where you go into CVS and Rite Aid and those places. And guess what? The Halloween aisle mm-hmm. and Target as well. Yeah. You're starting to see them put stuff totally. up on the shelves. And you've been sending me pictures. <laughs> I get so excited because I have my first picture of the year where I walk in. And I'm like, oh, it's starting. And I think I sent you one last year. Yeah. I always send the first Halloween decor that I see when I go You're out. Like, the mini bars are out. Yeah. The mini Snickers in, in and the, the mini. <laughs> in the Halloween boxes. In the and boxes. the Halloween Reese's pumpkins are out. <gasps> you know it's really Halloween season when you see those. That's really important. Can I tell you something really embarrassing? Please do. And I'm going to say this live. Cool. <laughs> As I say you a, should. I say a, a lot of embarrassing things live. But, <laughs> but it's is, recorded so I could cut this, it out, but is, I won't. <laughs> this is the weird, how much I weirdly obsess and love Halloween is each year I save one Reese's pumpkin that I don't eat because I love the wrapper. I love, I keep it in my drawer and I think Halloween's going to happen again. But right now you can't buy this. You can't buy this, but I have one. (laughs) That's amazing. So I have mine from last year that I can now throw out because I'm not going to eat it. It's old. Yes. But if you could in a pinch, but it makes me happy to see the little pumpkin. (gasps) On the wrapper. I love that so much. I'm That's obsessed. so cute. That's so yeah. cute. <laughs> it's so cute. And I'm not ashamed to say that all oh, of no. my Halloween mugs are out. I'm not ashamed. I'm already drinking out of you, my I mean, you Halloween are not mugs. the only one. I know. You know damn well that half the listeners are like, yeah, say it, girl. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not like, I'm not a huge pumpkin like i like pumpkin spice but i'm not like it's pumpkin spice season it's not about, no it's, <laughs> it's not it's about starbucks halloween season that yes. happens to have pumpkin spice but i'm not like one of those pumpkin spice freaks i like it yeah it's all right but it's not like the reason i celebrate the season when people say it's pumpkin spice no it's halloween <laughs> they're more and kath's birthday season that's it oh i see <laughs> I'm going to throw myself in the ring. It's our birthday. It season. is. Yes. We I mean, just, I know my birthday's in the summer, no, but, but it, you start the season. It does kick it off. You are the kickoff. In my opinion. Right. Like foot, like the beginning of football season. Yes. Right. I, All of that college football. It's fall. Anyway, I thought this was, would be a fun episode to do because urban legends, many of them bring up the feeling of Halloween and some of them are actually around Halloween. I bet. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of them were created to be spooky around Halloween, mm-hmm. right? Or just happen to be around that season. Like the story that created the urban legend tends to be in like the fall or linked to Halloween somehow. Right. Yeah. So as you guys saw in the title, this is urban legends that are basically ripped from reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. In other words, they became urban legends, but they started with something that actually happened. And so Kathy, 
Yeah, so most of, so let's just, what is an urban legend? An urban legend or contemporary legend is a genre of folklore comprising stories circulated as true, especially as having happened to a friend of a friend or family member, often with horrifying or humorous elements. These legends can be entertainment, but often concern mysterious peril or troubling events such as disappearances and strange objects. So there are really like, there are folklorists out there that study this as they're, you know, like philosophers, they're folklorists. Yeah. Urban legends. Yeah. Yeah. And many of them you'll see on these um, documentaries, one of which I watched a while ago from 2014 and and rewatched most of it for this episode today. It's called Killer Legends. And I believe you can find it on Prime now. It used to be on Netflix. So a few of the urban legends that are on that documentary I'm going to talk about. And then there are some other ones that I'll add. So, yes, urban legends tend to be derivatives of there's there's partial truths to these stories. And many of them were either just unsolved or they were solved Um and then it became this pandemonium. And for example, we're going to talk about the razor blades and the candy and the poison and all of this, how it was. There was an actual story about that, but the urban legend blew it up to be something that was happening everywhere and all over the place. And that isn't true. So we're going to talk about the candy man and the man who killed Halloween, but we're not going to start with him. Okay. So some of the some of the urban legends that people may have heard of, I'm going to talk about like five of these, but we have razor blade and the candy. Jeanette Chrisman, Pop Rocks, so how Pop Rocks and soda, if you drink that, you'll explode. LSD tattoos, killer clowns on the loose, which that one is actually not that old. Satanists killing black cats during Halloween season. Kidnapping is higher at Halloween. And the urban legend of Bloody Mary. Wow, that's a lot. I love it. Yeah, so we're we're going to talk probably about four or five of these. And Shannon, which one of how many of these have you heard of before? Well, we've all heard of black cats. I remember Pop Rocks. Mm-hmm. I remember the razor blade fears when yep. that first started. I believe uh, the they LSD used that thing. I haven't really. I don't really remember that. Killer Clowns is, I always thought just ripped from the movies, but obviously Gacy and all of that. And and there's probably a lot more to it than that, which I'm sure you'll talk about. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Okay. I mean, Bloody Mary was in the history books, really. (laughs) Yeah. And not what people thought it was. It was really not about seeing Bloody Mary in the mirror. It was about something else, which we'll talk about. So the, the first one we're going to, I'm going to talk about is the story of Jeanette Chrisman, who is her story is the origin of the movie when a stranger calls. And so otherwise known as like the babysitter murder, you know, the call is coming from inside the house. So let's see. So the night of March 18th, 1950, gusting winds blew rain and sleet around and a few people ventured outdoors in mid 20 degree temperatures. So this was not Halloween season. This was actually spring. There was an eighth grade party that night, but Jeanette Chrisman did not attend. The girl had agreed to babysit the three-year-old son of Mr. And Mrs. Ed Romick. She told friends she needed the money to make the last payment on a new burgundy colored suit. She had purchased for Easter Jeanette's parents owned Ernie's Cafe and Steakhouse and lived above the shop. The small one-story Romac home sat perched on Slight Hill on Stewart Road just outside of what was then Columbia's western limit. Before leaving for a card game at 7.50 p.m., Ed Romac showed Chrisman how to load and fire his shotgun. He also instructed her to turn on the bright porch light before answering the door if anyone came calling. So let me just stop there for a second. So 
This is 1950. I'm just picturing if someone went to babysit at someone's house now and the dad's like, let me show you how to use the shotgun. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, mm. she'd be he or she'd be out the door. <laughs> I hope so. So the couple had a, a three-year-old li- uh, little boy named Greg. Little Greg, her three-year-old charge, liked to sleep, but the radio turned on and wouldn't cause her much trouble, she was told. So the inclement weather meant things were fairly qui- uh, quiet for police, but at 10.35 p.m., Officer Roy McCowan received a jarring phone call. A girl was screaming hysterically on the other end, and McCowan heard the words, come quick. The connection, however, broke off before the girl could identify herself. At that late hour, the test board at the telephone company was not staffed, and the call couldn't be traced. At about 1.35 a.m., so this is significantly later, Mm -hmm. the Romax returned home to find the front Venetian blinds open and the porch light illuminated. Both the front and back doors were unlocked and a side window was broken open. Chrisman lay in a pool of blood on a shag carpet by the family piano. So imagine the sight. It appeared the 135-pound girl put up a valiant fight against her attacker. Investigators found evidence of a struggle that stretched from the phone in the kitchen through the hallway to the living room at the front of the house. There were wounds on both sides of her head, including puncture marks that appeared to have been made by small metal instrument. Her face appeared to have been scratched by fingernails, and the cause of death was ruled asphyxiation. The apparent weapon, an iron cord that had been ripped. A sheriff's deputy would later characterize it as an inside job because of the assailant's apparent familiarity with the house. Mm-hmm. So this goes on and on. The police chief ends up asking the public to report anybody who acted strangely, missed work, or showed up with the visible scratches in the days after the murder. So, the you know, if we look at the movie, the famous line is the call is coming from inside the house. Right. Right. So I believe that that is a derivative of the cops calling this an inside job and oh. someone actually knowing her. Okay. And potentially being in the house. Right. I don't think there's any record of anybody actually calling her Ah. it was more of there was just you know and this is again where urban legends just take a little bit of this information and then make a really scary story telephone game kind of thing where it just gets distorted but so what we do know is that the the possible links is that she actually may have known her assailant and it may have been someone she was either like someone she went to school with but they had discussed that the person who that they believe attacked her and killed her who i don't think they ever caught okay which is what makes this also very scary and much more of an urban (laughs) legend is it was never closed like they never really figured out who did it but they had suspicion based on a lot of information that i'm not going to go into right now that she actually knew him but what's interesting about that is he it looks like he he used force to get into the house. Okay. So I don't know what kind of relationship she had with him or told him she couldn't let him in, but it also showed that she put up a really good fight. So this story is the, the root of the movie when a stranger calls, which is much, I mean, much darker. Yeah. Than the legend. Than the legend. I mean, it's not darker than the actual murder, obviously, but it's pretty dark. (laughs) the, The movie's very dark. The movie, and it's been remade a number of times. But if you think about it, there's nothing more terrifying than being a babysitter. Uh, that could start anywhere from 12, 13, all the way to That's 16, when I did 17. It. Yeah, young, I right? mean, I did, I, yeah, by the time I was 13, I was very much into my peers on not babysitting anymore. Mm-hmm. I realize a lot of people babysat later. Mm-hmm. But I babysat during middle school, mm-hmm. like 
10, 11, 12, like literally like young. Yeah. For really young kids. Do, do you remember at all? Like, even if you didn't know this story that there was always this like fear of babysitters being in the house and like something scary could happen. Did you ever have that even like underlying? I didn't really. Yeah, I did. I, did. Not, I didn't have that underlying anxiety. And that might be because you and I differ in what we were exposed mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. as kids. My mom was pretty tight on the reins as far as what I was able to watch and read and see. And I was pretty, I guess you'd say sheltered in that way. But I mean, she was really coming at it from just a protective thing. I never saw it as a negative. So, but it ended up making me a pretty innocent kid until high school when all that went to hell. But (laughs) I think that might just be the difference between you and I is that I just wasn't, I didn't have brothers and I wasn't exposed to a lot of that kind of stuff. And so I didn't have that underlying, which may speak to me not having a ton of anxiety (laughs) is that I didn't, I didn't get that instilled. Yeah, I guess that's true. So I was just babysitting, not knowing. Yeah, you were. I mean, the dads creeped me out a bit. Well, that's a whole other. That was a whole other thing. Yeah. But I was, I didn't have like a cultural creep going on. And what's weird is sometimes I would babysit even houses like right across the street from where I lived. Mm -hmm. So I could actually see my house from where I was babysitting. But there was always like a weird, and maybe it is because I grew up with older brothers and I grew up the Midwest is huge on Halloween and horror and all of that. So yeah, there was just always that there, but I don't know if it was because of this legend or more so just there's that automatic feeling of like a a young kid being in somebody else's house, watching someone else's child late at night when you don't know the house, you don't know the security. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, and maybe that was also what people told you and stuff, not just from the movies and all that. Like, you know, what your parents said, be careful, you know, if they were afraid for you and they told, they gave you some caution. My My mom be like, you're fine. (laughs) What I was thinking too, is that it's not to say that I wasn't scared sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's late at night, but it wasn't because you're going to get movies. It wasn't yeah. because of movies or news or anything that right. I was told necessarily. It's just because I was scared of the dark sometimes. Right. I was a kid. I was a kid. Like, I was not didn't 16. didn't want to go down to the basement. Yeah, I was 12 or 13. So right. it's like, I was a kid. So I was scared. And if you take into consideration that I was a little bit sheltered. True. I was also scared because I just didn't know. Like, I, I didn't have any tactics. No I, one taught me jujitsu or anything. No, no. I was a uh, black belt at five. Just no, kidding. Just no, kidding. I, I, but I, I mean, going, even just going down into basements at certain times at night yeah. where the kid's like, let's go down and play in there. I'm like, are you sure? It's mm-hmm. really creepy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that is the origin okay, of uh, the babysitter murder of When a Stranger Calls. So the next one is the man who killed Halloween. So we, even if you didn't, grow up in the 70s or 80s, I'm sure most people have heard that the the urban legend of candy being poisonous and you want to search every chocolate bar and people are putting razor blades and poison and, you know, your parents should look through your candy when you get home. For the record, other than this legend, other than this actual factual story that this Mm -hmm. legend came off of there's never been report nationally that candy has been intentionally poisoned by someone and children have died really there was one other woman and i can't remember her name they talked about her in in the 
documentary and they talked about her when I was reading about Ronald Clark O'Brien, who I'm going to talk about in a moment. I think she was the only other one that was handing out really weird stuff. Mm -hmm. And she would only hand it out to kids who she thought were too old to trick or treat. And she did it to piss them off. Uh. <laughs> and it was, um, it, she did end up getting arrested though, because it was borderline. Like they could have either gotten sick or whatever, but she's the only other known case that has ever. So, well, and it wasn't that anybody died. It was, and that nobody kids died. Might've gotten sick. That's right. So this is, so the razor blades and all that. Yeah. So that is all made up. Right. And so if you even remember in Halloween two, I think it's Halloween too. If I'm and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, where one of the bo the little boy comes into the hospital at the beginning, mm. and he's bit into a piece of candy, and there's a razor blade in it, oh, right? So, yeah. so this is early '80s. Talk about well, and this is what we're talking about. Like the movies take on these urban legends, and they're great fodder for horror, right? Yeah, because the real crime happened in 19, I think, 1974. Four. Okay. Oh, here we go. Here's okay. I do have the other woman on here. I'll give you. I'll give you the story. I forgot. I wrote it down. So razor blades in the candy. It wasn't really razor blades in the candy as much as it was cyanide. But these two real crime, true crime stories are what facilitated paranoia about tainted candy, spiked in the early 1980s after a rash of Tylenol poisonings, mm -hmm. which cyanide laced. Acetam, so acetaminophen, which is acetaminophen, acetaminophen. <laughs> that was cute. Yeah. Acetaminophen. Acetaminophen. Is no, the, I'm going to say it that way forever now. Is the, what Tylenol actually, I mean, that's like the generic, right? The, yes. The, the foundation of Tylenol yep. was placed on store shelves and sold. Tylenol was pulled off the shelf, but this is what led to the introduction of childproof containers was ah. this whole Tylenol thing, right? Sure. But but because we have these two previous stories, this in conjunction with the Tylenol story is what created this pandemonium around uh, Halloween candy being poisoned. So the first real crime story was in 1964. This is the woman that I was talking about. So I have the whole story here. She was Her name was Helen, I think, Fell or File. Um, she was arrested for handing out things like ant poison and dog biscuits to kids okay. when asked when asked the housewife said i was joking oh. i gave it to kids i felt we're too old to be trick-or-treating and they're oh. like well it's not funny so you're coming to jail yeah <laughs> right so she yeah. would hand it but i think it was like blatant ant poison right it wasn't like in something <laughs> that they ate okay then the real the the real story where this all actually broke out was um, 1974 on Halloween night. Ronald O'Brien gave cyanide lace pixie sticks to five children, including his son. The other children happened to not eat them, but his son actually ended up dying. O'Brien was executed by lethal injection in 1984. This was infamously known as the Candyman murder his conviction killing Halloween. So this man actually brought a bowl out of candy to his son and like four other kids. They were all still in their Halloween costumes. And it was this mix of different candies in this bowl saying that he had had from the neighbors or whatever. And you got, you guys can pick one or whatever. And his son just opened it up and downed it. And within minutes he was, you know, throwing up and seizing and all that. And they rushed him to the hospital. He died at the hospital. So he is really the reason why we have this fear 
around poisonous candy. Okay. So it's, it's good it's, to know. I, I mean, I, I'm literally having some cognitive dissonance around there's never any cases of any kids dying from razor blades or any of that. Yeah. Because my dissonance is because that was so mm-hmm. real. I know. And, and, you know, maybe we can find one, but uh, according to what I looked up and what they were saying on this documentary is there's no other case outside of O'Brien that anyone died. Crazy. I know because that's how much it was hyped and that's how that's much what I'm saying. I, I'm like, yeah. wait, no, I don't believe you mm-hmm. <laughs> just because I have this dissonance around it. Like, no, it was so much a part of what I believed. Yep. Okay. Yep. And what, you know, okay. So my memory is go trick or treating, come home, dump all your candy on the table, have my mom look through it all. Yep. Make anything that wasn't packaged gets thrown out. I think parents still do this. Mm-hmm. Anything that's not, and I think it's a smart thing. It actually. is smart. Anything that wasn't packaged or that was broken packaging got thrown out. That's right. And then, of course, it was divided up so that I didn't eat it all in one sitting and she would hide most of it and I would yeah. get like rationed. Oh. <laughs> because, you know, yeah. because that was my mom. But also because. I don't know. To me, that's smart. I, I imagine lots of parents do that with their kids. You don't yeah. want the kid having like a massive coma, sugar coma. <laughs> or cyanide coma, depending <laughs> right. on. Right. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So uh, they, they show an interview of somebody going to talk to O'Brien in prison. He's like, you you know, he says to him, he's like, you, you killed Halloween. Like you actually, you killed it. Yeah. And he was just like, that's a, uh, that's a matter of opinion. And he's like, well, no, I mean, you did though. You know, like you just <laughs> no, can't. No, really. Yeah. It's a matter of opinion. He says, so just say thank you and move on and move on. <laughs> and he was, he was executed in 1984. The, this story always freaks me out on the, on the documentary. They also showed a more recent, they were interviewing a woman at I think one of the hospitals or whatever, uh, and they were saying that people were allowed to actually bring in their candy and get it X-rayed to make sure that there was nothing in the yeah. This is the panic chocolate. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we yeah. know about panic, don't we? Yep. All right. So the next one, I'm going to skip ahead to one that's a little bit actually more recent, and then I'll go back. So, uh, killer clowns on the loose. So this was actually just a few years ago, but it does stem from, obviously there's a huge fear of clowns because of Gacy, right? Yes. So there's already that. But if you remember a few years ago is also when the re- remake of It came out. Ah, uh, yes. So there was a resurgence of killer clowns and just the terrifying whatever. So there were a huge number of threats, sightings, and reports of people dressed as clowns running around areas of, I think it was mostly, it was Mississippi and a couple other areas in the South, maybe even North Carolina. It created a national hysteria. Ah, here it is. It started in Greenville, South Carolina. It was stated that two clowns were trying to lure a little boy into the woods. So let's just picture that. Yeah, let's not. Yikes. That's terrifying. Yeah. And they interviewed the boy. So that legitimately happened. So that that actually did happen. And then in Kemper County, Mississippi, local authorities decided to make it illegal to appear in a clown costume, mask, or even makeup until November 1st. Oh, okay. So can you imagine? This is why. This is why. Yeah. They were like, if anyone sees a clown walking down the street and they're just in costume for Halloween, they're going to get assaulted because someone's going to think they're a murderer. Right. Yeah. And kids aren't going to want to walk up to them or have them at their parties. Right. 
So the idea was that after months of hysteria, citizens might overreact if they saw one on their street or property. And then clearly also the American Horror Story season cult also influenced this hysteria, this yes. hysteria as well. So this was just a couple of years ago. I actually remember turning on the news and this being a thing. Do you remember this? Mm-mm. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> But then it was like, then it was a thing. It was a thing. It got in the water. So and to speak. there were like red balloons around. Even South Park did a thing on it. Well, and everybody tune in on Friday for our shrink chat show. Cause we did a buddy watch of killer clowns from outer space. Yep. And we're going to do that oh one on Friday. Gosh. Anyway, go All on. Right, I have two more moving on. Um, <laughs> this is the one that you said you don't remember, which is the LSD tattoos. Yeah. So the legend possibly originated from the fact that LSD solution is sometimes sold on blotter paper with various designs, including cartoons. I actually remember this as a kid. Okay. Surfaced in American elementary and middle schools states that a temporary lick and stick tattoo soaked in LSD and made in the form of a blue star, like a Dallas cowboy star or Mickey mouse and Bart Simpson being distributed to children in the area, they, they, the thought was that they had to get this information out because kids would get addicted. They're trying to get kids addicted to LSD, but you can't really get addicted to psychedelics, that they're rarely addictive. But this was like the scare. It's like, this is out there so kids get addicted to LSD. Any child who does LSD once, I don't think they're doing it again. <laughs> um, so they would hand out these flyers and there was a warning on the flyers and they were called blue star acid warnings. Okay. Mostly it happened in new England, the Midwest and Canada, and even some in South America. Huh. I specifically remember see, this is what I'm saying about the Midwest is there's such a big horror and Halloween culture in the Midwest. Like yeah. I totally remember these, these flyers. <laughs> That's amazing. So the real story is, uh, it's actually English folklore. Mm-hmm. Iona and Peter Opie, these are folklorists, okay. found that similar rumors circulated in 1840 when gummed postage stamps, penny blacks or queen's heads were introduced. The glue on the stamps was widely believed to be poisonous, and it was said that those so rash to lick the queen's head were in danger of contracting <laughs> cholera. Okay. So that's where this comes from. Okay, I believe Well, you. that, between that and I think LSD being a big thing in the 80s. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny, though, to think, <laughs> so like, where wild. these come from? I know. So crazy to me. And then the very last one I'll talk about is Bloody Mary. Okay, so every little kid... I mean, at least that I knew played this game at some point. So you get a bunch of kids, you get, you know, a group of friends, the lights off in the bathroom, you go into the bathroom, you lock the door, you turn off the lights, you recite Bloody Mary three times, spinning in front of the mirror. Or if you're really brave, you went in, you did it alone. And then the whole purpose was done to lure the spirit of Bloody Mary. You would open your eyes in the mirror and then you would see her in the mirror, right? Yeah. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. So it would, and would do a number of things ranging from screaming to stealing your soul, to drinking your blood, to clawing your eyes. <laughs> it out. was bad. I mean, this is All kids were like, bad. do you want to, I remember, do you want to go see Bloody Mary? Your yeah. turn, your turn. Did you see her? Did you see her? I saw her. Oh my gosh. I totally saw oh, her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> However, this is not really the origin of Bloody Mary. So Shock. Um, <laughs> it wasn't always <laughs> named Bloody Mary. It was actually used to, it used to be a way for unmarried women to see the face of their future husband. So the woman would walk backwards. Let's talk about how creepy she'd walk backwards up a flight of stairs while holding a candle and a hand mirror. Mm-hmm. When they gazed in the mirror, they would see the face of their future husband, but there was a chance that they could see a, if they saw a skull instead, like the face of a groom 
Grim Reaper, which meant that the woman was going to die before she marries. And, you know, at that time it was like, oh, then your life is over. Oh, yeah. Just take it now. Right. Ugh. And so they believe it originated from the English Queen Mary the first, who was also called Bloody Mary and so on and so forth. Mary eventually became queen in 1553. Mary, Mary later endured miscarriages and fake pregnancies, which she believed were a result of God punishing her oh boy. for the Marian persecution. So thus earning her the name <laughs> Bloody Mary. Yeah, she took out a lot of peeps. <laughs> it sounds like it. That's amazing. Which she was burned at the stake. So yeah, I mean, this is like where the stuff some of it's centuries old. I, of course, right? Of course. Yeah. Because mythology, right? Mm-hmm. Like we just, and even Killer Clowns, if that's more recently, I'm sure if you went into the history of it or something, you know, those stories in our zeitgeist, Stephen King, et cetera, who's written about more serious, very scary, Gacy, et cetera. Like it comes from somewhere. Yep. You know, they get these ideas from somewhere. Totally. So I'm sure if we track it back, there's probably ancient stories sure. about killer. You know what I'm saying? They're fun nonetheless, though. I mean, Urban Legends, oh, especially sure. as a kid, you know, some of those were really fun. As a kid, they're fun. Unless you're really freaking scared. Not the poison in the candy, though. I wasn't feeling that one. No. Don't kill Halloween. No, because the ones where you're talking about where they came from, true tragedy, and then they systemically became cultural fears. Yeah. That is... That's not as funny, right? Like those were no. more scary. I mean, Bloody right. Mary Bloody is Mary's kind of fun, funny. Yeah. And I'm glad we ended on that one. But mm-hmm. the first couple that you were talking about are more. No, it's real. It's legit. Yeah. Like Janet yeah. Christman, uh, you know, it's very yeah. scary. And that's how we get cultural fear. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for bringing that. Sure. That's a lot of fun. Urban yeah, legends fun. in August. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's called. We love it. All right. Thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.